we go. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Hidden Pearls Podcast, episode so number 50. Welcome. We have a heck of a show for you guys tonight. We got the one, the only, Eric Armstead from the University of Oregon, or as I like to know him, Big A. He's here from the Niners. Whoo! He's got a heck of a story. It's fun to listen to. He's pretty inspiring. He does a lot of really cool stuff. So you guys are loving it. Yeah. Hope you enjoy the show. So stay tuned and just uh, you might check out his website and that kind of stuff. So his foundation. Uh, but anyway, enjoy the show. Very inspiring. And uh, watch him for Monday Night Football. It's also his birthday. So Ooh. sing a little birthday song and look for something special from old Eric out on the edge. All right, see you guys. I'm ready. Three, two, one. Action! Action. We are live. All right. All right. Week 10 of the 2021 season. We are super excited. Here we go. Uh, Niners host the Rams on Monday night football. You guys remember Howard Cosell at all? Or was he like, he was probably dead before you guys were even born. He was (laughs) one of the do you? Yeah. Yeah. He was one of the very first, you know, when Monday Night Football came out, everybody thought it was a crazy idea. And then, like, it would never make it. Of course, here we are. Playing Thursday Night Football. Thursday Night right. Football <laughs> and everything else. So, but anyway. Okay. So, game one against our buddies, the Rams. All right. This week, the Niners are at home for the second week in a row. This time, the face is 7-2. and two. Red hot. Not super hot, though, because they just lost. But anyway, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, player guest this week is one of our Niners, who's not only an amazing player on the field. Mm. Amazing player on the field. Oh, yeah, look at that guy. But, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But also a leader and committed community activist, being involved with and sponsoring a multitude of charity organizations and activities. Oh. In 2020, he was the NFLPA, that is the National Football League Players Association, community MVP week 10, oh. as well as the 49ers, Walter Payton, NFL Man of the Year nominee, which is really cool. Only 32 of those folks throughout the entire league, and so that's a huge honor. Uh, we welcome with great pleasure and gratitude for him taking time away from his family tonight to be with us. So thank you, Eric. And so Niners D lineman, sometimes a three technique, sometimes a nine. Ooh. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, baby. Diversified and all that. I kind of like, I like Nikki on the edge and you had a three. That's kind of a problem for people. But anyway, that's another story. So Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining Hidden Pearls Podcast. Appreciate Hi. you. Guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. So- all right. All right. Well, now I get to talk about your biography. Just a little. Cool. Eric is a California native being born in Sacramento, just a short little drive up north from the Niners Stadium. Played his college ball with the Oregon Ducks. Quack, quack. Quack, quack. quack. And he was drafted by the Niners in the first round of the 2015 NFL Draft. He's listed at 6'7", 290 pounds. Just absolutely moosive. Now in your seventh season. But most importantly, football aside, community service stuff aside, you got married to your wife, Mindy, on June 20th, 2020. Congratulations. And you have a beautiful daughter. And that's way cool. Wow. Welcome to the show, Eric. We're very excited to have you. Appreciate you guys having me, man. That's that's an amazing intro. That was a mouthful, but appreciate that. You've done a lot, You've man. You've done a lot. You've just done a lot. I yeah. love it. All right. Very cool. All right. Well, then let's get a little background info. Let's go into cover here with Eric. All right. So grew up in Elk Grove, California. If I got it right, attended Pleasant Grove High School, the Fighting Eagles. Was the mascot actually an eagle? Yeah. I don't remember us actually having a physical mascot, but yeah, we're, we, we were the Eagles. Um, 
Pretty good. We had a pretty good high school team. So. All right. Uh, and you're a big basketball stud. We'll get into more of that later. So basketball is really important to you. You played a lot of that and football. Uh, and I think a little bit at Oregon, too, so we can talk about that. So you have one older brother, if I have it mm -hmm. right, Armand, mm -hmm. who is also a pretty good football player, at least from reading it. So, uh, so the quick question is always, particularly with brothers, but even with other siblings. Uh, who is, is tougher? Yeah, who's, who's, which one of you two is tougher? Oh, man. Uh, my brother, Armand, we call him Mondo. That's his nickname. That's what he goes by. He's definitely much better football player than me. He was actually the reason I started playing football. You know, I was playing basketball and, uh, you know, I was in like seventh grade, played football when I was young, was terrible at it. So I was like, man, I'm just going to go play basketball. And then in like eighth, seventh, eighth grade, my brother, he was an All-American, you know, was headed to USC and everyone was looking at me, the younger brother, like, your brother's All-American, like, what are you going to do, you know? <laughs> and so, um, luckily, my, actually, my basketball coach, his son played football and he convinced me to, you know, play in eighth grade and, uh, you know, so I went out there, you know, I was... I had to lose like 10 pounds in like a couple days to make weight and uh, got that done and then played. And How, how big were you in eighth grade? Yeah. Just eighth grade, I think the weight was 200 pounds. So I was probably like six, six one, like 200, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So you're then gonna, um, you're gonna be under 200 pounds to play. Yeah. Ooh, that's tough. That's really tough. Yeah, in uh, Georgia, in Iowa City, where we were, they had the lightweight, so there was a cutoff for the lighter weight kids, but the, we didn't have a max for the heavyweight teams. So they oh, could really? There are some big boys out there, I'll yeah. tell you that. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah. So in, in California, they always had weights. Remember when I was real young, we had to weigh in every week. And then when I got to eighth grade, it was just one weigh-in at the beginning of the year. And uh, if you you made it, then you're good for the rest of the season. So lost a bunch of weight, you know, put on a, a trash bag, ran around, lost like 10, 15 pounds and, uh, you know, weighed in one time. And then, you know, I was able to able to be on the team was still terrible, though, to be honest. So didn't 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 uh, didn't start getting much better till like high school freshman year. So when did you hit like your big growth spurt? See, the crazy thing is I really didn't have growth spurts. Like I used to gain, I used to grow two inches and gain 20 pounds like every year. So my freshman year, high school, I was like six, three, you know, two thirty ish. Um, so my sophomore year, I was like six, you know, six, four, six, five, two fifty something. Um, you know, 250, 260, and then junior year, I got up to 280, and I was like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, my senior year of high school, I was like 6'8", or 6'7", six, 6'8", six, like 290-something, and, you know, a different 290 than I am now was, you know, chubby and, you know, yeah, I was, I was, I was a big, big kid for sure, but it wasn't like a, like I 
you know, grew five inches in the summer or something. It was pretty gradual. Wow. Hey, Good you know, you. hey, Georgie sent me your email so I could send you the script for tonight. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking at it because I, I didn't think I had any of your contact info. But anyway, I put it in and I had your high school coach because I was at Oklahoma when you were, you know, and so you were like on a recruiting list. Mm-hmm. However, I did a lot of California stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, but I, I had no idea. Yeah, no, so, you're at Oklahoma. You're at Oklahoma. Yeah, so I remember when I remember when OU came came to my high school, and uh, it was it was it, you know it was it was a pretty big deal. I mean, a lot you know a lot of people came, but you know OU at that time was like you know they were high. You know you you wanted to be seen by those prestigious schools. So yeah, I definitely remember when the coach from OU came to my high school. Yeah, well, it might have been me because, like, you, I had his coach in. I had my notes from the different times and all that stuff. It was pretty funny. So Yeah, it's so it's funny you mentioned that. Coach Cat, Joe Catalico, my high school coach, he just came to our, our last game. So that was cool to be able to see him. And um, his dad is a legendary Bay Area high school coach. Um, a lot of people, a lot of Niner fans would know him. Um, coach Catalico, he coached at Los Gatos High School. Jared Allen and all those guys back then. So um, quite the family yeah. tree. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right. Well, very good. Okay. Then I know um, with your family and all that kind of stuff. So we're always wondering about, so kind of that environment and what's one of the best or maybe hardest lessons your, your family taught you growing up? Uh, one, I would say one of the best lessons is that, you know, family is, irreplaceable and you know you only get one family and um, that was always really special for us to be close-knit and stay tight and you know not um, try not to let things come in between us and you know family is really all you have and um, you know so that that was that was it for me growing up was our faith um, family and you know if I didn't, if I didn't have that, you know, I really don't know where I would be. And, you know, everything I've gone through in my life, um, you know, ups and downs, good times, you know, that family was that remaining constant to be able to fall back on and um, get through, you know, t- tough, difficult times. So, you know, I'm truly blessed that, you know, I have the family that I do have. And, um, you know, I think that was the greatest lesson was how important family truly is. And I, I don't think, uh, people value family as much um, anymore, and uh, those those family values. So, well, that's pretty cool. So it's cool that it's a great experience. I know I chatted with your dad after the last game just a little bit, so it's always fun to see uh, chat with the with that. Um, so just out of the um, so off the old internet, I think this is on the Niners. Eric lists his parents, Gus and Krista, as the most influential people in his life. And he also gives credit to his grandfather, Willie B. Armstead, an Air Force veteran for instilling the value of integrity that his parents had passed along to him. A lot of things, this is a quote from Eric, a lot of things my grandfather installed in my dad have carried down to me. Having a family member who is more courageous than you can imagine and who served his country is a huge honor. I just thought that was a really cool and I think really builds on what you're talking about. And so what are some of the attributes or values that you feel like your grandfather, you know, helped shape people with? Yeah. Um, uh, RIP, my, my grandfather's no longer with, with us. He passed um, last year. And, um, you know, I, it, it was, 
amazing um, to, to see, just be able to spend some time with him and see like all the different things that get passed down, you know, um, to my dad and then to us and kind of see, you know, why we are the way we are. And, um, you know, my, my grandfather was, you know, a great man. He uh, serves, you know, this country. Um, he was a longtime pastor uh, for many years, 30 plus years in Lompoc, California. And um, so he, he really, really taught us a lot of selflessness and he, he really uh, served his community. He served uh, people as their spiritual leader and um, he gave so much uh, to others. And, you know, that's, he, ded he dedicated his life to, to service, you know, serving our country and, and serving uh, others. And, you know, a lot of those things that, um, you know, my dad learned from him, um, you know, that's, that's in us too. And, um, you know, those things don't, don't really go away. They get passed down and they'll get passed down to my kids as well. So, uh, really proud, really proud that, you know, I come from where I come from. That's pretty cool. Well, it's neat to have that generational kind of traditions and those things that are handed down and, um, to have somebody in your life like that, that you can, that you knew and also have stories about, you know, and particularly because that was not an easy time to serve your country, you know what I mean? And, and doing the things that he did. So um, that's pretty cool. So, okay. Well, you lead this one there, George. Ooh, let's talk a little college ball here, Eric. Ooh. How and why did you get to Oregon? And uh, Oh, wait. So you originally committed to the University of Southern California. Yeah. Where your brother went. Wow. Mm -hmm. How did he become a duck? After that, how'd you get like who was the head coach at USC? And how tell us the story. What happened, man? Yeah. Um, the head coach was Lane Kiffin and uh Coach O. Uh Coach Ogeron was a defensive line coach. And so I was definitely committed to SC. You know, I really wanted to really wanted to go there and have my heart set on that. Um, some things happened with my brother at USC. Um, that uh, if people want to read more about, they can Google. I really can't talk about it because there was legal I matters. I Googled it and I did read it all, but I let it go. You know, I mean, I but I it was yeah, quite a situation. Yeah. So people want to um, people want to read more about that uh, and how my brother's career went and the things that happened there. They can read more about that. Um, Googling Armand Armstead. But, yeah, some things happened, you know, with my brother at USC, and, you know, I decided to open back up my recruitment. And I uh, took five trips. Went to Alabama, Auburn, Notre Dame, Cal, and Oregon. And, um, you know, it really came down to, you know, Alabama and, and Auburn were a little too far. You know, I'm from the West Coast. I didn't really vibe with, with down south. Uh, Notre Dame was a little too far for me. And I uh, came down to Oregon and Cal and um, you know, just laying, laying in my bed. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go to Oregon. And I just kind of just stuck with it. And, you know, it was a great decision for me. Really fit in well there. Um, and, you know, we didn't lose many games. And 
you know, I played on a, you know, high level and a national stage and really helped me get to where I am today. Yeah, I remember um, – who was it? Was it Florida State you guys played in, like, the Rose Bowl or something like that? Mm-hmm. I just remember watching that game, and it was you and Defoe on the edges. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how is that fair? Yeah. Because I'm saying, like, yeah, because – I mean, like Big Ten's, it's different. Like, I think it's grimier than other, you know, conferences. But like, I don't know if like all the athletes just aren't there. Like, it is SEC or like you freaks up in Oregon. Yeah. But like, I remember watching that game and I was like, how are like those poor tight ends just getting obliterated? Like those tackles, like just both. Yeah. yeah. Me, me, it's I don't, I don't, I don't know if that would be ever duplicated. You know, I think that was just pretty special and, and they actually owe a lot to um, our defensive line coach there at Oregon, uh, Coach Azanero, that he saw, you know, the vision and saw something in me and Defo that, you know, we were going to be special. Um, you know, a lot of people were trying to move me to offensive line and, you know, Defo uh, wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't like a I think he was like a three or four star. So, you know, he was sought after, but it wasn't like a, you know, no brainer or whatever. And, you know, so he saw a lot in a lot in both of us. So that was crazy how, how that turned out, but yeah, definitely had a, definitely had an amazing time there. I lost, you know, five games my whole career. So a lot of winning, you know, a lot of good times. I, uh, we won four games my freshman year at Iowa. (laughs) But I mean, that's cool too. You turn, you were great you know, uh, part of turning the program around. So that's pretty cool too. It was actually fun. I redshirted that year. And so I didn't have to travel or go to any games. And so I basically just lived life as a college student my freshman year. It was Man, awesome. how was that? I uh, cool. never, had, never had that experience. No, I know. Like that's, I'm very glad that I got to experience that because like I was literally a normal college student that had to show up. I literally didn't have to do anything before like 9 a.m. any day, but twice a week. And I had to show up to home. And if they left, they'd leave on Saturday. And so I didn't have to go in on – no, sorry, they'd leave on Fridays. So we would do, like, a quick walkthrough on Friday mornings. But sometimes we didn't even have, like, the – if you didn't redshirt, you didn't – or if you redshirt, you didn't even have to go to the Friday walkthroughs if there was no redshirt. Really? And so I would like, Friday, Saturday off every week. It was week. not like that at Oregon. The dudes oh. who didn't play in the games, they had, like, a real, like, six-period practice on Fridays. Yeah, I, I know. We we didn't we did we did that like no. So that was the tough thing. We did that on Sundays, and it would be random Sundays. So like I'd go out after a game, drink a lot, party, go to bed at five a.m., show up at like eleven for you, you drinking party in college. So much. I had so much. Fun. Wow. <laughs> Me? Uh, it was mostly like Irish car bombs back then, but um, but they would just randomly drop on us like. Hey, we're having a Devo a Devo practice today, and it'd be like uh, six periods of nine on seven, and that's it. We're gonna run sixty plays of outside zone, oh, and that'd, wow. that'd be a practice. <laughs> like no, like you do your conditioning beforehand, and then you'd go to practice. Yeah, it was awful. That's tough. I was, I was on that for I did the Devo practices for like two or three years. That's cool. tough. Huh. Sorry, more about Eric. Yeah, let's quick Iowa story. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, okay, uh, let's see. So part of about going to Oregon, I know you played basketball for at least two years up there, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more, because you only were there three years, right? Yeah, I, was there, I was there three years. I was on the team my freshman year. I was on the team for a little bit my sophomore year, and then, you know, I, I retired from basketball. 
There you go. Looks like it was a good decision. Your freshman year of college was 2012, right? Freshman year in college? Yep, it was 2012. Yeah, we're the same class. You were just in the league two years longer than I was. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I had a, I had a plan coming in. I was like, you know, I'm trying to be here uh, as least as possible and, and be on my way. I didn't really have that choice, but you know, that's <laughs> the thing that's so funny because when I first met you, it was like, uh, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm Eric. I'm, I think you were 24, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm 24, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, and my birthday is, and I was, I'm in October. Like, yeah, you're older than me. And I was a rookie, and you were going into year three, I think. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. You were born in 93? Yeah, October, baby. Yeah, I was was born in 93, November. My my birthday is actually on Monday. Monday night football? Eric Armstead's birthday. Oh, wow. (laughs) We got to make it a good one, bro. Yeah. Okay, well, before we leave, what was your favorite thing about being – I know you won games and the football was all good, but what's – was a fun kind of one of the really top things about living in Eugene or being a duck? Um, you know, Eugene, I, I, I loved it. Um, it was a place that you kind of had to create your own fun, though. You know, the fun just wasn't there for you. You had to kind of mm. you know, figure out some some different ways to have fun. And um, but I loved it, man. Oregon is a beautiful place. Um, one of the most beautiful places in the world I don't think a lot of people realize just like the nature and you know so I was able to get out go to some waterfalls you know go to the coast you know see some cool things um but I love Eugene you know we're you know we were good and we were the only thing really in town you know like that's that's a so I had a real you know college town experience which was um super fun all right yeah it is a beautiful place Oregon I've been there a little bit, not a whole bunch, but it is really, really beautiful. So, okay, so then transitioning to NFL, you're three years, you guys whooping ass all through the old uh, conference, and then you turn into the big timer, first round draft choice with the Niners. So, how was getting picked by the Niners in the first round? Tell us a little bit about that story. Um, it was it was amazing. You know, I um, took a took a visit here. And, you know, so I figured they, they liked me um, after the visit. And my agent kind of told me, like, yeah, you know, uh, it'll probably be there. Um, they really like you. I don't really see you going past that. But, you know, you never know. And um, it, was, it was just so happened that it worked out that way. And, you know, super, super uh, huge blessing you know, to be with the Niners, being from Sacramento and being able to stay close to home. I'm only like an hour and 45 minute drive from home. And so um, it, it was, it was, you know, I was, I was super happy, you know, a lot of people fly in after they get drafted. I just, they just had someone come pick me up. So right. just kind of drive over. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, well, very cool. All right. Well, then uh, talk to us a little bit about because you obviously had your eyes on it and you're a pretty well developed player, even though they're only three years in college. Um, tell us a little bit about that transition into the league and what were some of the more difficult lessons that you kind of learned and, and who was around then that helped you? I mean, whether they're a player or somebody else. So how, how did you make it through those transitions and what did you learn? Yeah, I had to learn a lot through those uh, early years. Um, I, was for, I played, you know, a good amount my rookie year and then years two and three, 
uh, dealt with injuries. And so I really didn't feel like I, you know, got those reps to be able to develop that I, you know, really wanted. Um, so it was a lot of learning on fly and, you know, trying to, you know, figure out how to get better. And, you know, I think the biggest adjustments, obviously the mental aspect, you know, um, at this stage, you know, you're, you're here for a reason, you know, you know, the, the, the talent and the um, athleticism kind of evens out, then it becomes, you know, a real, uh, real mental game and technique game. And so those were things I had to learn, you know, um, and, uh, you know, I didn't really get those game reps to do it. So I'm um, just trying to learn it on the fly. And, um, but my rookie year, I had a really good, really good veteran uh, D-line group. Um, you know, we still have a group chat to this day. You know, I love those dudes. They really brought me in and uplifted me and, you know, um, uh, wanted to see the best for me. And, you know, so I made some really good friends that, you know, will remain. And, um, you know, my, my early years with the Niners were a lot of, were losing a lot and it was a grind, you know, it was um, a lot of adversity. And it, you know, it, it makes made you stronger, you know. Um, so for for me to be here seven years through through those real bad years, you know, is is uh, uh, has been a crazy experience. And um, but I've, I've learned through it all. Who was uh, like who was one of the D linemen like in the group chat that was one of the guys that you I think uh, gave you helped you out most like in the beginning? Um, or who was who was a part of that D line room? Yeah, so the guys, the guys in that room were, um, I think only one guy is still playing. Actually, Mike Purcell, he plays nose guard for the Broncos. Um, but we had Glenn Dorsey, um, Ian Williams, who um, does, you know, TV, was doing TV with the Niners, um, Quentin Dial, um, Tony Gerard, Eddie, who me and him have um, became really close throughout the years. He was in my wedding. Um, who else? We had, um, call him G baby, uh, my guy Garrison. And, um, so yeah, those, those guys, you know, they were, they were there and it was, we became so, you know, close knit just from, from really having to grind through a lot of, a lot of adversity and a lot of, uh, a lot of bad experiences. So, um, a lot of losing, but, you know, we remained close and, you know, fought through it all. So, um, you know, those, those be my guys for forever. Okay. That's cool. It's, um, I think every story of a successful player in the league, if you get them talking, it it comes back to having some people around them that help show them the way a little bit, you know what I mean? Just kind of open the door and go down this way or try this and do all that kind of stuff. So, cause it's, that transition can be really tough. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about mental later, but I mean, when you say mental, primarily just kind of the the sophistication within the league and the complexity of playing D-line and all the different offensive fronts and all that kind of stuff. When you say mental game, is that what you mean? Kind of how much more of that, or do you mean more just attitude and mental prep kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely technique, X's and O's. Um, I'm a very... Uh, when it comes to studying formations, tendencies, and those things, I'm big on that. And so, um, you know, that took me a little bit of adjustment to see how 
offenses are trying to attack us and trying to block me and trying to attack me um, and how I can make plays um, based on, you know, different things, different tells. And so, you know, that, that was, that's was something I continue to get better and better at too. And just from, just from a technique standpoint, really for me, it's understanding how um, offensive linemen are trying to block me um, and, you know, guys, um, their sets and, you know, what's, how do I break down the offensive linemen? You know, how can I, um, how can I, you know, take advantage of, you know, their weaknesses, um, you know, create imbalances with my movement and how I, how I rush, and, um, you know, coming up with my skill set as a pass rusher and, you know, how do I go out there and attack and execute that game plan I kind of come up with. You know, I feel like young defensive linemen, you know, they just gone out there playing and, um, but, you know, just kind of trying stuff. And then sometimes you're like, dang, I don't know what to do. So I'm bullish. But, um, baby, <laughs> that's always good. Yeah. You know, so that's how a lot of guys play. But I, you know, I started getting a lot better once I learned how to break down offensive linemen and how to attack them. Yeah. Just like what we do to D linemen, which foot's back, what's hands down, how do they do this? What percent mm -hmm. of the time do they like to swim or rip or whatever? You know what I mean? So you kind of watch all that stuff. And yeah, for sure. Yeah, so good. Okay, well, so seventh year in the league. I know you've learned a lot of lessons, but that's a lot of football. Tell us about the your favorite thing about being a dad. What, 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 favorite thing? Yeah, what are some great things about being a new dad? Especially a girl dad. Yeah. Uh, man. Um, well, the only thing she's been saying lately is data. So that's the, only, that's the only word that is a that is an actual word. So that's 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 been pretty amazing. Just to uh, that's the only thing she can say right now, and so that's been super fun. Is Minnie about that? You said what? Is your wife mad that she says Dada and not Mama? Um, you know they 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 have the built-in excuses that, you know, the <laughs> ma is harder to say than the, you know, ma. Right. So, yeah. But, you know, I'll take it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. That's, uh, awesome. that's, that's been amazing. And, you know, I mean, you just, just share some little things, the new things she's, she tries every day, you know, um, you know, us clapping and, you know, her, her mimicking us and learning how to clap and, um, you know, just, just the little things. I love, you know, I would get home usually around like five-ish and, um, you know, then dinner time, I get to hang out with her dinner time. I feed her, make her a little oats with peanut butter and feed her around 6.30 and then it's bath time. And, you know, so I really cherish, cherish those moments. And it's definitely giving me a little different perspective though, um, especially being a girl dad and, um, all the things that's, you know, right now you're just kind of taking care of them. But, you know, I think about in the future, I'm going to actually have to raise them or raise her. And, um, you know, so I'm definitely want to want to grow and, and, and get better and, and learn how to, um, you know, be the best dad possible. So I'm excited. Well, you had some pretty good role models, so I'm sure you'll figure that out. But, yeah, I encourage you just because it goes fast and they don't stay that way very long. And mm -hmm. But the beauty of it is, is um, you know, as they get older, 
you know, when you're kind of a kid and you start to see the personalities and all that, it's at least for me, it was, I love the early stages, but the, the other stages were so much fun because you could go do stuff and mm-hmm. go hiking or camping or whatever and all that kind of stuff. So, and, and then they're still around. So and if, as long as I'll talk to you once in a while, it's pretty cool. So it's fun stuff. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Well, then I want to just jump. So, you know, we're really big on mental prep stuff. You know what I mean? And I know you were talking about kind of the X's and O's and technique thing, but like over the years, whether at Oregon or with the Niners, I mean, so uh, working with people about their mental prep, so like meditation, mindfulness, affirmations, visualization, do you do, do you have a pre kind of a week process or do you, is there anything that you do? Like, what do you do to get your mind in that kind of zone? Cause you can only X and O for so long and you, you don't really, I know you think about that pre-play, but a lot of it is so routine and habitual, you know, by the time you get in the game, mm-hmm. you got to play, but what do you do to get your mind right in that kind of zone where you can be your very best? Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually something, you know, I think you, continue to I'm well I'm continuing to develop you know and try to be better at uh, as my career goes on and on um you know my process is um I would say out of those a lot of uh, visualization and um just seeing myself making plays seeing myself um you know dominating seeing myself whooping people mm-hmm. um you know, so vi- visualization is is definitely key for me, and um, also music too. You know, um, I got you know some songs that I like to listen to. Um, you know, to get ready before I go out there, and um, so yeah, I would say my I would say my imagination and visualization is is you know the biggest biggest thing for me. Cool, that's really neat. And is that kind of, you kind of built on that and it's, does it have a larger role now than it might've been when you were at Oregon? I mean, do you spend a little bit more time doing that? Um, I would say, I would say I always have done that. The thing I'm trying to get better at now really is, um, you know, playing more free and, um, you know, kind of just like letting go and, you know, letting things, you know, fall where they may. And, you know, we're, we're trying to remove away some of that anxiety that comes about um, with thinking you're, you know, um, that I'm so much in, um, so much in control. Um, I try to, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, faith-wise, I try to relinquish that to God and, you know, just have faith that you know i've done everything i'm prepared i've done everything i can and just go out there and um you know let loose yeah you know, that's a great point eric because it's a really fine balance between like you want to lean in and you definitely want to perform well but if you lean in and reach for it too hard you know if you're straining and the anxiety mm-hmm. gets there and you get a little bit tight and also yeah. really it's like it's like you're pressing like yeah and you it's just, like it's like it's like you're pressing and yeah. that's definitely i don't know George can maybe talk about that. That's like, I would say that's like the difference between defense and offense. We're like, um, I couldn't play offense because like it's too much determining on what I do. You know what I'm saying? Like this has to happen. That has to happen. That has to happen. Like I I couldn't do that. Like at least defense wise, I have, I have uh, the, the control in my hands 
you know what I'm saying, to, to make plays, but that leads to pressing sometimes where it's like, dang, like I got to do this, I got to do this. So just just letting, letting, go, letting go and being free. Yeah. I will say, Eric, I would love to have like 10 third down pass rushes as a DN. <laughs> and that, I think that's the best job in football. Like 34 to 15, you know, it's like. Yeah, I, I, would, I would love that too, George. But, you know, <laughs> when, uh, throughout the game, you know, you only get three of them, you know, then that could be anxiety provoking. Like, dang, I only got three ops. Right. That's what, that's what Nick said last week. He goes, I literally had one op. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I mean, you know how football goes if, you know, you're, they're, they're getting leaky yards and they're playing, if it's third and, third and three, third and four, is that really an op? No, it's just thinking dunk, you know, so. You need those third and eights. Yeah, so you got to get them behind the chains early in the downs to get, to get those ops where you can, you know, really, really rush. Ten years back and just say, let's go. Yeah, ten years back and go, so. Yeah, cool. That's why it starts with stopping the run. Cool. Okay, well, let's do uh, – let's switch gears a little bit do the fashion preview. Oh! George, you want to lead us into that? Okay, so fashion preview, it's the fans' favorite part. Game day swag. Game day swag. What we're wearing this weekend. What's your kind of uh, – just your swagger in general. Eric, I think you grabbed something for us, so if you want to lead the way, you want to tell us about what you brought. I'm start. Yeah, go for it, man. Okay, cool, man. I got – might be – I don't know. Might be in competition to to yours, but I've been rocking I've been rocking the New Balances lately. Ooh. This 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 been my vibe as of late. I don't I don't know if, I don't know if too many people got this colorway either. So those are sick. Dude. It's really nice. I've seen a couple guys on the team rocking the New Balance because the yeah. new ones are the new ones are definitely really cool. Yeah, yeah, no, this this what I've been on. You know, I'm a dad. You know, they're comfortable, swaggy, so. What size foot do you have then? Uh, I wear a 15. Oh, then that's not, uh, yeah, I'm a 14, so yeah, yeah, I wear a 15. All right, Those and then sick. so, and just overall game day swag. So, are you your tennis shoe and then jean, nice jeans or and a shirt, or what do you do? Yeah, uh, I'm you know, I'm definitely you know, uh, more, more streetwear, you know, um, tennis shoes. Sneakers, jeans, or you know some some pants and um, you know button up shirt. Just depends. Cool. Yeah, well, you always look good, so appreciate it. Cool. Okay, Georgie, what do you got for us, man? All right, here we go. We're doing blazers, Nike. Oh, here's the camera, Nike blazers. Um, the fun fact about the Nike blazers, though, Eric, I got design these with Nike. They actually sell these are the Kittle blazers. Whoa there, girl. She's excited about the Blazers. These are on the Nike. Uh, so you can get these on Nike. It was like me and six other guys who had designed some Blazers. Um, went the gum bottoms with the That's red. Dope. Kind of a Niner classic. Got a little customization. I don't know if you can see it, but right in the tongue, it says, why so serious? Okay. Yeah. Joker quote. A little Joker quote. Um, That's nice. Well, I'll be rocking these Monday night. Um, That's so, bro. I know. I, I was pretty pumped about it. it was my first. What was, your, what was your thought process behind the the, the print? So, hear me out. So, well, I didn't get to do like I didn't get to like choose the size of the swoosh, like the thread. Like I didn't do. It was kind of like a Nike ID with just a bunch of options. Gotcha. Um, I really wanted to do. Claire said I had to use the gum bottom no matter okay. what, and so I went off of that. That's where it was my starting point. 
Um, but I wanted to do it was kind of off the Joker mount, just the all red, like mm-hmm. the bloody mouth kind of. That's why I like the, the just the red swoosh with that kind of the blood splatter behind it. Oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why I liked it. The Nike sign in the back, super subtle. You can hardly see it. But just like, I don't know, dude. It makes me feel violent, honestly. Yeah. Looks like a bloody sheet. Yeah, I know. That's Ooh. why I like it. It's got like the I think the white's really clean. Claire says it's the teeth. I like it. <laughs> That's but, like, the rest of it's just like the mouth and it's just ready to go and like i said she wanted the gum bottoms and so we went with them well, i'm excited yeah i get to wear those on monday night football baby that's dope man cool uh, well thank you gentlemen okay Woo! speaking of monday night football speaking of monday night football this monday night you guys are on monday night football and more importantly it's eric's birthday that's exactly right we will celebrate i'm gonna we'll have to bring a little cake down Appreciate it. On the sideline. That's cool. All right. So Rams coming in at seven and two. They lost to the Titans just last weekend. Fun fact. I did the Bears and I thought the Bears and Niners kind of had a decent. Um, actually, the Niners have played the Rams. I guess it's a West Coast thing more than double the amount of games you played against the Bears. Anyway, they played 143 times with the Niners leading the series 73 67 with three ties. Niners have won four last four games, eight out of the last 11. So uh, we don't have to go into too much. They got some big players. Von Miller's there, Aaron Donald, obviously, Jalen Ramsey, old Stafford's there now, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? But let's talk about Monday night football, though. What do you love about those big profile games? Because Monday night, there's not really a bigger stage. Sunday night's gotten pretty big, but Monday night football is kind of like it's just like the, everybody survived Monday. You know, it's the last game of the week and, well, until Thursday. So, what do you guys like? What is it about Monday Night Football? I'm guessing that it's kind of a rush, super fun. The whole nation's watching. But what, what makes it so much fun and what, what gets you jacked up about playing on Monday Night? Yeah, I mean, only only game of the day. And, you know, all, all the prime the, the primetime games are fun. You know, I got my 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 ranking, my order of them. Yeah, what is your ranking? What is it? My, my ranking is Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. Yeah, hundred okay. percent. Yeah, that's the only option. Yeah. Jimmy G told me today that Thursday night was his favorite, and I said, "Shut!" He's a quarterback because the game plan's super simple, and yeah. you don't do anything. Right. It's not like his body hurts or anything. Like <laughs> I'm sorry. anybody that likes Thursday night football games, I think are crazy people. So, but I, I I do I do like Monday night. You you usually don't get, you know, you may have a couple Sunday night games, but you know, usually don't you know, get one Monday. So. Um, no, I, I, it's dope. I, I love it. Only game of the day. And, uh, I, I, you know, I love night games, playing them with lights. Just something about it. You know, I, I used to love Friday night lights, so it's probably what it is. Cool. Anything else on Monday night? Uh, no, I mean, that's what it is. It's it's one of, the op- one of the few opportunities you get where the entire nation world gets to see what your team was made of. And – it's yeah, it's just it's fun to see that because I mean the night games are where like I don't know like I don't want to say like stars are born, but we're like guys that might not be known or get enough credit around the like around the league or at least like you know players respect other players' games, but like mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys that play football that deserve more credit than they get. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a spot where you can flash and you can make a big name for yourself. Like the Browns running back the other week, he was like their third or fourth string guy, and he had 130 yards and one or two touchdowns, and I. He deserved like that. I'm just I happy. I'm happy when I see guys like that. So I'm excited to see uh, who on our team uh, makes big plays. I'm really hoping for a special teams touchdown. Yeah, that would be that would be amazing. That would be or a scoop and score by Eric on your birthday. 
Oh wow! Yeah, I told myself in the off season I'm gonna catch a pick this year. But did you see that one? Uh, the one that uh, that they showed in the ball meeting today, where the D lineman just jumped up and snapped. Yeah, Jamie Collins. That was Jamie Collins. Wow, yeah. that, was, that was a heck. Yeah. That was a seed that he threw. I'm trying, read, I'm trying to read a screen. Oh, uh, the best thing ever, I think, would be as a DN is just like, especially the nine tech. Like if you somehow like the tight end bus or something like that, and you just came right through the C gap and caught a toss. Oh yeah, that'd be crazy. Because <laughs> I mean, there's no one catching it unless it's like 80 yards. Yeah, that 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 would that would definitely be crazy. They uh they they got a little you know they like the little tight end screen to Higby. I uh I sniffed it out last time, but they're I'm trying to get a pick though. Dude, that'd be pretty sick. <laughs> Hopefully there's pressure somewhere else and they just throw it anyways and you're just chilling right there. When he lets you beat him a little too quick, just got to drift on it. Let the quarterback still open and you with your wingspan, Yeah, all it is is a tip. Nicky B had one of those his first year, didn't he? Didn't he have a tip and an interception? Yeah, he got uh, he, he got cut block. It was um, what they call the screen where both the tackles cut and they quick out. But, oh yeah, one of like a slammer screen or something. Yeah, like that. he he beat the cut block, jumped up. Damn, no. um, Kimlaw Kimlaw got a pick six last year too. That's I know that was he dropped into coverage. <laughs> He's rushing and just like ah, I'm gonna drop, see what happens. It works out pretty good. Well, good. Well, we're cheering for that. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's turn a little bit. Um, so service and giving back. So. Uh, our podcast is a little bit about that. So Hidden Pearls podcast, our kind of podcast motto or slogan is sharing the untold stories of the people and communities impacted by social and environmental injustice. And so we've done all kinds of shows on from domestic abuse to alcohol and drug recovery and homelessness and hunger issues and all kinds of stuff. So, um, and so Eric, we've had a great pleasure. I think, um, I think you're either our sixth or seventh uh, Walter Payton nominee or winner that we've had on the show. Awesome. I think it's at least seven. So it's really cool. So it's really fun mm-hmm. to have you here. And you set such a great example with your career uh, and the things you've done. So I'm just going to read a couple things and then just tell us a little bit about, you know, I guess my ultimate question eventually is you've really focused on youth and particularly education, equalizing educational opportunities, including kind of bridging the gap on technology, access to, you know, resources and that kind of stuff. So you know, ultimately, I'm kind of curious about, you know, why that focus. But so let's talk. About, so we already mentioned that you were the NFLPA MVP, community MVP in week 10 of 2020, Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award for the Niners. And then you started or created the Armstead Academic Project. All right. And then as part of that, there's an academy that's an after school program is what I got. But anyway, and so mission statement for that is ensuring that every student, no matter their socioeconomic status, has direct access to a quality education through a positive learning environment and resources needed in order to thrive and be successful. So very, very cool. So I'll just list a couple things. So in May of 2020, donated $50,000 to Sacramento Mercy Hospital or Mercy Housing for Students um, for computers and Chromebooks and all kinds of stuff there. So pretty cool. Uh, And one one year prepaid internet service. Yeah, for the families. Wow. So everybody could have access because there's no sense having a computer if you can't get online, right? So that's yeah. important, super important. And then in September 21, just a few months, a couple months ago, in partnership again with Sacramento's Mercy Housing, gave an additional 250000 as part of the Armstead Academy after school program for 7th through 12th graders, paying for staffing, supplies, and field trips. And I'm sure there's more than that. 
Uh, and then you have an annual, you call it the 91-6 Gala in Youth Football Camp. I think mm-hmm. which is a fundraiser for the foundation. Mm-hmm. We've also created something called Storytime with Eric, where you record stuff and or you'll surprise kids and show up and read a book, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool stuff. So that's good. You had a deal. You got the Christmas toy giveaway with UC Davis Children's Hospital. I think you're into five years. This will be six this fall. Mm-hmm. Okay. So pretty cool. So a lot of really neat stuff. And so I guess I'm kind of curious, like who comes up with all this wild stuff? Cause it's pretty cool. But so why'd you pick youth? Why are you focusing on education and why are you so passionate about this? Yeah. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a process, you know, or coming to the league, you know, I always knew I wanted to give back. And as I learned more and um, I become more educated on, you know, issues in society, you know, education was glaring, a glaring issue for me where I feel that I can have a huge impact. And um, I just didn't feel that it was fair that, you know, the quality of your education was determined by your zip code or where you live. And that we could both be from the same city, but since I live in this neighborhood, you know, you're going to get much better teachers, much better resources, much better supplies, much better support, much better um, everything. And you have every opportunity to, you know, kind of be successful and go on and I'll have, you know, the worst of the worst. So I didn't feel like that was fair. And I wanted to, you know, bridge that divide and really support those students because I feel there's a lot of potential and there's a lot of, um, greatness that can come from those students too as long as they're poured into as long as they're nurtured and as long as they're given the opportunity and so um that's really really where the drive came from and you know why I wanted to create impact there and um you know I just look at it from a real high level you know in society nowadays we tell our you know get a good education and you work hard you do good in school and you can go to college, you can get a good job. And, you know, that's what we preach to our youth. But if we're not providing them with what they need to actually do that, then, you know, we're kind of lying to them. So um, that's why we're, I wanted to step in and help and, you know, really do a great job of serving the students that, that we can. And that's why I chose the students that we work with. Um, They all live in, um, housing projects. Um, so they're all, um, living in, you know, extreme poverty and under, you know, a lot of, um, stress and, and, you know, they go through a lot of trauma and, you know, um, school may be the last thing on their mind at a lot of times. Um, they're worried about getting food. They're worried about having the lights on. They're worried about, you know, going home and dealing with home. And so, um, I just really wanted to, to help those students because I feel that there's some greatness in them and, you know, no one really, no one really has seen that and no one really cares. Um, but I feel like they can be great if, you know, people like me pour into their life. So. Pretty cool, man. That's really great. So, That's awesome. And then, um, then in the after school program, most of your stuff is located in Sacramento, right? Just because mm-hmm. you have connections and all that kind of piece. Yeah. All right. Well, that's really cool. So I don't know, did I leave anything out? Is there any one of these programs that you really want to hit for people to understand? And I guess 
and then if people want to help support, so we're going to put, um, and I'll make sure we get them right. So we'll do the links in the show. We'll have kind of free for the Academy and for um, the project. So if people want to donate, they can do that. But are there other ways that you would encourage people if they're interested? Um, how can they help and support what you're trying to do? Yeah, they can go to my website. All the information is on there. They can reach out. Um, really what we're trying to get accomplished now is, so we have the Academy. Um, it's funded for the year. So we have after school programming every day for the students. We have tutors, we have academic advisors um, and academic coaches to help them um, not only with day-to-day homework and um, you know, school prep, but also planning. And if they're, if they're behind, you know, who we have uh, resources to, to get them help or if they need um, extra uh, curricular things, we have that there for them daily. And so, um, and we're going to do a bunch of field trips and programs and um, different things for them throughout the year as well. But I would also love to, to add more to that. So if you have um, a fine, you know, if you have uh, education platforms or, if you have educational programs that you want to offer to students, I have students who, you know, we can offer that too. So if you want to reach out to me and um, we can do that. And also too, you know, like I said, it's funded for one year. So we're trying to continue this and make it bigger. And so um, donations and, and money help that too, um, as we continue. Well, very cool. So um, as our listeners will know, so uh, George and the family, they do, we do a donation to our charity each week. So uh, we will be happy to make that donation to your charity this week. So we'll be supplementing that and then encourage our listeners to, to do that as well. So thank you so much. Uh, so very, very cool. So we're excited. Um, glad to do that. And um, yeah, the um, kind of the technological gap thing, I really, I mean, that's an area that my own interest, but just the disparity within that a lot of what you talked about because schools predominantly are funded through property taxes. And so if the values of the houses Mm -hmm. less than other neighborhoods, then the school educational opportunities are going to be reduced um, in the same kind of ways. And so dramatically, so trying to overcome that. So, all right, well, very cool. So we'll have all those links. If there's anything in there, I emailed you, you can shoot me anything you want me to make sure we hook up. All right. And people can find you. You probably have Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Where, mm-hmm. where What are you on Instagram? My Instagram is uh, sacnina91, S-A-C-N-I-N-A-91. Or you can just search Eric Armstead and it'll pop up. I always thought it was Cecina. Cecina? That's no. I thought it was. Oh, oh, I got it. My homie helped me with it. Um, from Sacramento. Yeah. Uh, Nina is short for nine, number nine. That was my number in college. Oh. From Sacramento, I get sacks, number nine, oh, I'm number it, yeah. 91. 91, I'm from, our area code is 916. So there's a bunch of, uh, bunch of correlation in there. Okay. I like <laughs> it. All good. Okay. It's a web. Wow. Well then, so Eric, as a, you are a man of faith, you've already professed that, and you're out there doing trying to do what you can to give back and help make the world a better place. So from where you're sitting right now, what are, what are one or two things that uh, make you hopeful about kind of the direction of our world? That's a great question. And I actually go back and forth on that a lot of times. You know, I see a lot of things that 
make me not hopeful. And then I, I see a lot of things that do make me hopeful. Um, a lot of things that I've seen throughout this past two years um, have been, you know, depressing, but also inspiring. Um, when you do see people stepping up and answering the call and you do see, uh, you know, bridges being built and people coming together and standing up for what's right and, um, you know, standing against what's wrong. So it's definitely inspiring. And as a man of faith, um, you know, I, I do have faith that, you know, we can be better. Um, and that's why I'm trying to control what I can control and, you know, be a leader, and, you know, make this world a better place and, um, you know, for my children and my family and, and all of us. So I think if everyone takes that approach and I think um, if we all see that we're all more alike than different and truly believe in humanity, then we can be in a much better place. Amen. Amen. Pretty cool. Huh. All right, man. So, I don't know, Drew, do you want to add? I know we do it every week. I would love to add. Okay. Well, I had something else planned, um, but something that gives me hope, Eric, is people like you. Um, I've always thought, like, if I was not a football player, I wanted to be, like, a teacher or just be involved in schools and kids just because I feel like I'm a big kid, and I think mm -hmm. I would, I would uh, interact with them very well. Um but that's always been something, um, you know, I've thought about and I've tried to help out with as much as I can, especially like, you know, high school, college, um, and a little bit in the NFL. But just the fact that you care so much to spend because we don't as football players get a lot of free time. And when you get free time, it's like I said, seldom and, you know, few between. And so you want to take that to yourself. But the amount of time that you spend out in the community helping people. That's awesome. Uh, it's really cool. It's inspiring. I love to get to know my teammates off the field and. It's also awesome to know that I, I know that I, I go to war every single day with a guy that hey, he's a warrior, but at the same time, uh, loves those in his community, loves his family like that. That's some really cool stuff. So I appreciate that. And you sharing your, all the things that you're doing. Um, it is what gives me hope, uh, especially tonight. So thank you for that. Appreciate you, man. I love, love playing, love playing with you too, man. And you're, you're inspiring. Um, I know that you're going to find, you know, find your way and, you know, continue to develop on and off the field too and how, how you serve others. And, um, you know, it's, it's all a process and, you know, um, I can't wait to, can't wait to see uh, the impact, you know, you're going to have too. I know it's going to be huge. I appreciate that. Pops, what gives you hope, man? Well, so uh, certainly Eric's story does. It's really very cool. So I appreciate that. And each week, you know, we get to hear the stories of, We've been doing a little bit more Niners players, you know, this year, and it's been actually really fun. Um, you know, everybody else we had were either undrafted or low draft choices, you know. So you're a big first timer, you know, but it's interesting <laughs> just how that story goes, you know, and how guys make it and then they get cut and all that kind of stuff. So uh, anyway, as far as hope, um, you know, I guess, you know, I'm in the same thing. I, when I think about the things that were super transformational for me, because I was a short I would just say a short fat kid growing up, got teased and all that kind of stuff. Wasn't never found a lick of athleticism until kind of seventh, eighth grade. And then all of a sudden kind of things started to blossom for me. Um, but the coaches and the teachers that I had, um, partly in junior high, but particularly in high school, you know, were really transformative for me. And so um, because we spent so much time there and we're so engaged in those things. And so the fact 
what you're doing, the after school stuff. And I've worked with after school programs too, with other jobs that I've had and supporting some of those things. And I know how important just having one or two people that can give you positive affirmation, tell you that you're worthy, that I love you and that you're going to be great or something like that. Because um, a lot of the kids, and not get on anybody's home stuff, but they just don't hear it. And a lot of people are in such survival mode. They're just worried about putting food on the table, paying the rent, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so it's just not quite the same. So it gives me a lot of hope. And um, I'm really encouraged, too, about the things I see going on about bridging some of the technological divide. Uh, I think there is a lot of effort in there. And I think some of the Internet companies and such are kind of, you know, they're buying into some of that and they're doing that. And they're kind of seeing a good corporate kind of piece that way. So anyway, so I'm really hopeful about that. And I would just concur with you that the last two years have been really rugged at times. It's like, man, I don't want to get out of bed. But uh, we do get out of bed. And then if we just commit to doing what we can within our small sphere, um, and making sure we're shedding a little bit of love and kindness along the way. Um, you know, we got a chance to become the change in the world that we want to see. So anyway, so thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. I'll give you the very last word. Is there anything else you want to add? No, that was, you know, that was great. I, I love, uh, love what you said. And I appreciate you guys having this. This was pretty cool. All right. Thank you. All right, brother. Well, we'll be really excited. Uh, hope you're all healthy and raring to go. We look forward to a super birthday coming out party for. Oh yeah, that would be. Oh yeah, we'll get a couple sacks and scooping score. Let's go. I'll <laughs> see you in ten hours. Right. All right, man. All right, brother. You guys. Take care. Yeah. Yep. All right, later. Bye. Well, there you have it, guys. Hidden Pearls podcast episode number 50, the big five zero. Wow. 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 Some would say, um, thanks for joining us. Claire was actually here this entire time. Oh, wow. I'm look at that size difference. Wow. Look at Chip Claire's strong jawline. Oh, look at that chin. Anyway, hey, so I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. And uh, that was number, I guess it was 50. It was 50, yeah. yeah so, Congratulations, we, dude. Yeah, well, we just keep pounding them out. We appreciate all the love and support that we get from everybody. So hope you guys enjoyed the show. And um, and I, I hope you found it as motivating just to listen to that story and the way in which he's trying to get back and uh, the community in which he came out of and knows. And hopefully uh, we can all do a little bit more of that as we get going. So, all right. Um, last thing. Oh, food for thought. Food for thought. Tell somebody you love them today. And give them a hug. Oh. Mm. Thanks, Pops. All right. And wait. Cut. Okay.